Please take your seat and uh, turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 4. I am going to talk to you just for a few moments on investing in your harvest. God wants to put some things in you, through you, upon you, around you, for you, so you can share with others. Can I hear an amen, church? God's got a harvest for you. And that's something you need to receive now. God's got a harvest for you. He wants you to be able to grow and to move with Him. Now, let's look at Mark chapter 4 and let's look at verse 26, shall we? He also said this, Jesus speaking, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. And though he does not know how, all by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, or you might in your translation read the blade or the stem. First the stalk, then the head, and then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle to it because the harvest has come. God has got a harvest for you. I wonder if you could receive that. You know, this is the only time that this parable is told. Uh, It's only found in the Gospel of Mark. It's original and peculiar to this writer. It talks about how the kingdom of God wants to grow in your life. But that growth and that investment, now I'm actually going right to the end of my message, that growth, that investment is for a purpose. It's not just to happen. And the purpose is God has a harvest to be produced in you and through you. God's goal is harvest. God's goal is so that you are productive. You know, this term, kingdom of God, means his rule and his reign in your life. It's, it's that space that you give God to make some room in your life so that he can work in you. So if you're here today and you're just checking out church, when we say the kingdom of God, we're saying, have you got some space for God to perhaps do something in your life? God is always trying to scatter truth and to plant his truth and his word in your life so that something is produced. Not so that you just say, oh, that was nice, or you know lots of stuff. Actually, until you produce something, all that you know is really not profitable. The truth is supposed to grow in you until it produces. Can we just say that phrase? Grow until it produces. Now, you know some things. Oh, I I was kind of saying that you didn't have to say that, but that's okay. Thank you. You know some things, but you haven't used it yet. Some of you have got computers, 
And basically, it's a glorified typewriter. For those of you of a younger age, a typewriter was something you... I don't really want to explain it, okay? You use some of it, but you don't use all of it. And that's the point with God's truth, God's seeds, God's, God's things that he's trying to plant in your life. He's planting some things there and it's got to grow until it produces. And we, we often talk about growth and pastors talk about growth a lot. And, and one of the unfortunate things that can happen is, is that when pastors talk about growth, it kind of gives you the impression that what you are now isn't any good. But actually that's not true. We're all on a journey. We're all, we're all at different stages and ages and levels. And, and it's not that one is better than the other. And what you are now, it's not that you are bad. It's that you have to begin to say, where is my next thing which produces fruitfulness and productivity? And God is always seeking to invest in you, not that, oh, I'm bad now and I'm going to become something good. No, what you are now is good, but God's got more for you. He's got more of a dream for you. In Second Peter, the apostle there writes about a whole cluster and chain of virtues. He says this, add to your faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness or mutual affection and love. But, you know, all these noble things, if you saw somebody like that that had all those things, you go, wow, all those things are not there for their own sake. Listen to what Peter says the reason for all these great virtues are. He says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he goes on and says, if you don't have them, you're nearsighted. But the goal of growing is this idea of being productive or fruitful. The goal is fruitfulness and the ability to produce. Now again, let me quickly add something. When pastors talk about growing and fruitfulness, we often get under pressure. I was talking to our two keyboardists today and you know that they're end of term and they've got uh, exams and presentations and yet they're still here serving in the house, by the way. Isn't that great? You know, but, and, and you know, it can put you under pressure when the pastor says, you've got to grow. But actually, I want you to take that pressure off because it's a grace partnership with you and the Lord. It's not like an exam or an assignment to do. In fact, the prophet Hosea in chapter 14, verse 8, said this, Your fruitfulness comes from me, declares the Lord. He is the source of how you're going to grow. He is the energy and power behind how you're going to grow. But how many of you know this? Do you know that people, things, yourself, and maybe a spiritual enemy is trying to sow things in your garden all the time and put ideas and thoughts and different things in your heart all the time. Do you know that there's things being sown into your mind all the time? And if they're not the truth, they can stop you being fruitful. Now, don't get me wrong, 
we're not saying that those things that make you special, you've got to change and we've all got to become some, you know, cookie cutter Christian, we're all the same and so on. The things that make you different, those are good things about you, as long as they don't become strongholds and things. You know, me, I, I just like to match with my clothes. You know, I just got this thing about, you know, matching. The other day, I, 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 was, I was like, I, I'd got up early and got dressed in the dark and, and uh, I was wearing my black cardigan, my white shirt, you know, opposites, all of that, doing the fashion thing. As I'm looking out over the congregation, I'm thinking, Eek, maybe not. Anyway, but, you know, I look down because, you know, my staff must think I'm weird because sometimes when we have meetings, I just kind of stand up sometimes. And sometimes we just have stand-up meetings. We're having one of our stand-up meetings and I look down and I've got my black cardigan on, blue trousers. Absolute fashion faux pas. Epic fail. Complete. I've got my black shoes on. Like today, for instance, you've seen me with my black shoes and the red soles, haven't you? Who's, those of you here know how you said them, couldn't wear those today because red, purple, just doesn't match. Couldn't do that today. So I've got different shoes on today. Thank you, Lord. I've got two pairs of shoes. But I looked down. I've got black socks on, black shoes, black jumper, white shirt, blue trousers. And I thought, I could hardly concentrate for the rest of the day. Now that's when those quirky nice things become a problem. I was thinking, what a fail. So much so, I called Kathy and said, can you believe I'm wearing blue trousers? She said, well, what's the problem with that? She said, I've got my black jumper on straight away. She said, epic fail. You should be ashamed of yourself. Those are the things that make you, you. You know, if Nairi wants to wear her bright red hat in church, go ahead, Nairi, do it. Just hand out the sunglasses when you wear it. (laughs) But the quirky things that make you, you, those are fine. We're not talking about that. What I'm talking about to you today, if you want to grow, is the receptivity of your heart. That's the thing that makes you productive. What you see and how you receive. I just wonder today if there's things in your life that that are there and they're making you ineffective. Strong attitudes, predetermined opinions, Things that you know are there that are, that are stopping you grow. In this parable, I'm just going to highlight just a few things that help us get to the good of how we invest in our harvest. How do the good things grow in our lives? Number one, first of all, if you want to have a harvest, allow for the scatter. Now, Let me just show you. This is how we want God to invest in our lives. We go, oh, Lord, yeah, just be really careful and neat. Why don't you just protect 
every, let me pray about what you're doing, God. Protected. It's got to be so neat and manicured. And yes, Lord, please, and don't you touch it. Don't touch it. This is what God's doing in my life. Don't you dare comment on it. This is God's thing. This is God's little work in my life. Oh, there's a bit out of place here. The Bible says, the way that God invests in our lives, it said a man went out to scatter. That's how God invests in our lives. A man goes out and scatters seed. And God throws stuff out there. Now, don't fight over this popcorn, okay? And there are people on the front row who are going to be saying, that's so messy. Why is that? Why is the pastor being so messy? That's exactly what God's like. The Bible says that he ascended into heaven and scattered gifts amongst men. He's a generous God. He doesn't mind if one of the things that he scatters out goes to waste, so long as somebody gets something. And while we're busily just protecting the little thing that God's doing, God's saying, I've got things over here for you to eat and fast on and to feast on. That's what God's doing. Last week, Pastor Nick put a hundred things up on a board. And some of us will be going, no, 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 no. Give something a go. Maybe God wants to scatter something new into your life. Take a risk. Because if you want to harvest, understand that God's trying to throw things into your life. Unusual things. Are you that sort of person? That's what God will do to that. Are you that sort of person... Where everything's so manicured, so tight, so has to be such a way that God couldn't get a look in even if he tried. The Jews had an idea of what the Messiah should be like and they missed the carpenter from Nazareth as God scatters his love everywhere. It's good to focus. It's good to be disciplined. But why don't we make room for putting some new things out there and some scattering of seed in our lives and say, God, if you've got something you want to scatter, if you've got something new, I'm open. Amen, everybody? Second thing. This is going to bother you, some of you. You're going to be saying, oh man, this is so messy. How's our church going to survive? Just just give it to the Lord right now. Forgiveness, all of that. Because the second thing you need to do is understand, don't strive. If you want to harvest, don't strive. The Bible says, the seed sprouts and grows, though it does not know how. God's truth has power within itself. You're not as unreachable as you might think. Some people will be sitting here today saying, oh, this works for everybody else but not me. 
we can sometimes think that there's a certain person, isn't there? A, a certain type that, that get it more than others. It's not a type. Actually, as we're going to discover more and more through this message, it's the type of soil. It's the heart condition that God needs, not a type of personality. God's word is powerful within itself. Have you ever heard this, that some people say, oh, I just love that preacher because they make the Bible come alive. I wasn't aware that the Bible was even sick. I wasn't aware that the Bible was in trouble. It's God's word and it's got power. And if you'll sow it into your heart, you will change. If you open your heart to it, you'll change. And the reason why some of us are the same, the same, the same, the same old things, we're not exposing our heart to God's truth and then using it. We have to, sometimes what we think is we have to do something special. Like, let's all go to Bible college or, and you know, seasons of emphasis and, and focus training, that, that's good. And, and that may be right for some, but you don't have to always do something unusual to grow through your, you can grow through your normal routine. Some people are saying, oh, unless I hear that my favorite internet preacher, I just got to get a, I got to get a fix from him or her this week. That's where I get my real meat. But actually, this is what the scripture says. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts. And what the Bible's teaching is, God can work in your normal routine. If you're open and you allow those seeds to sprout and grow and you're responsive to the truth that you're hearing... In your normal routine, God is going to bless you and open up the harvest to you. Now, I know there's a miracle side of growth. I know there's a, I'm not sure how this is going to work side of growth. I know that. In fact, in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says, Sow your seed in the morning and at evening, let your hands not be idle. You see, it's a grace partnership. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. There is a mystery to how we grow. Some of you are sitting there going, I don't know how I got here, but I'm glad I did. I don't know how God got me through that. What happened was is you were open to God's truth and God's truth has power within itself and it will carry you through. But growth is a partnership with you and some of the and when you do that God will do some surprising things. Here in here in this parable in another place it says all by itself it grows. Why are you striving? Like God needs your partnership, he needs your receptivity, he doesn't need your help. All by itself it, it grows. That phrase, all by itself, is where we get the word, in the Greek it's where we get the word automatic from. And the only other time it's used is in Acts chapter 12, where Peter's prison door opens up all by itself. And Peter walks out. There'll be some of you who feel like you're in a prison. You allow God to plant a seed and all by yourself, 
And all by itself, your prison door will open and you'll walk free today as you open up to that truth. He doesn't need your help. He needs your receptivity. So are you locked up, tied up, mind closed? But you see, the secret to harvest and growth, it's not your effort, it's your soil. It's your heart. It's the ground that the seed is placed in. You can't hurry a harvest. But you can invest in it so that it comes. We're doing a bit of gardening at the minute, aren't we, Kathy? And when I say we, we're using the royal we in the biggest terms that the royal we means. That Kathy is doing the gardening and I'm watching and going, well done, darling. But we've noticed in our, in our front garden, it, you know, and it's been snowing forever. And we've had one day of sun and everybody's putting that on Facebook. We've had one day. When I got up this morning, I thought, oh, well, that was it then. But still things have been growing. Things are growing in you. You need to pay attention to what's growing in you. You need to cultivate your heart You need to invest by exposing your heart, your soil, to the seed that comes. And can I just say, often by the routine of the church, the program that we offer, stop looking for something special. Just get into a good routine and say, I'm going to join a small group. I'm going to come on Wednesdays. I'm going to do some stuff. I'm going to be a part of things. Don't be so isolated that you think, Well, why am I not growing? The reason you're not growing is you're isolating yourself. You've taken the seed and you've kept it in the packet. You've kept it on the shelf. It's not going to grow on the shelf. It's only when you put it in the soil, expose your heart to teaching and good things. Steve Jobs, every single day, used to ask himself this question. If this was the last day of my life, would I do what I want to do today? And if he answered no, I wouldn't do that more than three times. On the fourth day, he would change what he's doing. Warren Buffett, one of the richest people in the world, reads 500 pages a day. Just to be able to fill his mind so he can make good decisions. John Grisham, the the lawyer, has one goal every day. He says, to write one page. Even if it kills me, I'll write one page. Benjamin Franklin used to say this, what good can I do today? At the start of the day, he would write down, what good can I do today? He would get to the mid-afternoon and say, what good have I done today? What I understand about harvesting is, you have to have a good routine. All of these men had something that they do and did solidly every day. God wants to work through your normal life, your normal routine. He's given you that job. You have to do that job. We understand that. But if you open your heart to good routines, God will grow you. It will come about. Stop looking for the special occasion. Those things will come and they will bless you. Expose your heart to the seed. And the seed, put it where it will grow. 
Don't keep it in the packet. And that's true for you. It's also true for others. You know, if you'll expose your heart, you will grow. You'll say, okay, God, what are you saying to me? But you know that person at your workplace who you think is the furthest person away, who you think will never get it, why don't you take something of God's seed and just in the staff room, just lob it out to them. Throw it out to them. And who knows whether it'll take root. Because God's truth has power all in itself. Now I said everything I'm going to say today in order to say this. And I'm saying it to you as my lovely church family. This is what I really want to say. And I'm saying it as your pastor and as your shepherd. This parable teaches us that if we want to harvest, you have to move on from your stage. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel. There are stages and seasons in the Christian life. I wonder if you feel like, you know what, I'm a bit stuck. I've been going around the same stage for for ages. John, the apostle, writes and he said, I write to you young men. I I write to you children. I write to you fathers. They, They saw that there were kind of different stages in our Christian life. The Christian life goes in cycles. It's not static. And so it's not like you reach something and then you never have to revisit it. There are times when we have to dig our soil up again and dig our hearts up again. But the one thing we mustn't do is always just stay at the same level. And so I want to talk to you as Christians today and just see the three stages that Jesus laid out. And it was the unfolding of the kingdom over the ages and that's going to come to fullness. But also it's the unfolding of the kingdom in your life. Stage one is the stalk or the blade, whatever translation you have. And actually this in, in the Greek, it describes the grass of the field, that, that everybody's just growing and you've been lifted up and you have some knowledge, but you're actually part of the masses. And you're saying, I'm just here in the field and I'm glad to be a part of it. I'm here with everyone. I'm, I've got some knowledge and I'm, I'm just a part of the big crowd of it. And if you can imagine in your mind's eye, it's like you're, you're part of one of the, the blades of grass in a field. You, you come, you tend to faithfully be a part of things, you add to the atmosphere with your praise and worship, you've made it a part of your routine, although sometimes you come and sometimes you don't, and you're just a part of things. You care about your church and and if somebody talks to you about God at work, then you'll share. But but really, you don't share unless somebody else kind of approaches you about it. And, And none of that's bad. Thank you for being a part of it. But God's got more for you. God's got more than just being a part of it. In fact, I want to say that in the name of Jesus, God has got more for you today. You see, stage two is, it says, and then there's the head. 
And actually, it's a really unusual construction in the original language because we're looking at an agricultural thing or a thing about corn. But Jesus uses a building term. And the, and the Greek word means to take shape. But it's kind of that is able to take weight. It, it's foundational in it. And it has two characteristics about it. The first is that it's taking shape means that you're beginning to know your ministry. You're beginning to feel stirrings in your heart and say, I, I want to I do something for you, God. And that's the second stage. And the second characteristic is you're able to be firm and you can start carrying weight and others can start depending on you. And that stage two is, you know what, God, I want you to begin to use me. And I want to be able to be dependable that other people can trust me. And it might be the same, not just about church, but about work, where you say, I want to start carrying the weight and the burden of people's spiritual lives here. I'm not just going to come and, and do my job. I'm going to start pastoring where I work. It might be in your street that you start begin to say, you know what, I prayer walk this street. I'm starting to carry weight. That life isn't all just about me, but I'm starting to carry others. And then there's a third stage, the full kernel. And I, I'm not talking about KFC here, by the way. But the word, that, the word that's used in the original is that you become replete. Or you have so much you can give away. You have enough to give away to others so that others can do what you're doing. You become so faithful that you have the ability to produce and reproduce in others. So if we have a guitar player, they are, they are so replete with their, with their gift that they begin to train another guitar player. Or we have another person on the hosting team and they, and they tap somebody on the shoulder and say, hey, come and be on the hosting team with me. Or that you become somebody at work who becomes a mentor and an encouragement to somebody else. That you're so full, you're so full, you can't keep it to yourself. You begin to give it away. And that's a, a stage of growth. In fact, that's God's plan for every single one of us. I want to ask you a question. For those of you who are established Christians, who is your current people project? Who is it that God has placed on your heart for you to say, they are someone who I want you to disciple? You know, Pastor George said earlier, if you've got a question, come and, come and chat to me or Pastor Nick. And, and that's fine because we want to create a safe place but you know what? If somebody's got a question, do you know the Bible says that you have to be able to answer it? And that the Bible doesn't say all the pastors of the world gather together and become disciple makers. What does the Bible say to you? Go out into all the world and make disciples. That's your job. You have to be so full of Christ that you can give him away. 
that you have to be so full of things, of your talents and your gifts, that you're not content just to be the one who's doing the preaching, that you're training the others to preach, that you're not content to be the one with your gift, but you have someone to give it away to. Can I hear amen, everyone? So stage one, you're part of the crowd and it's great that you are. There's nothing wrong with that. Stage two, you start carrying weight and you become dependable. But stage three, you've got someone on your mind who you want to train and mentor and bless and help and encourage and heal. If you're a healer, heal someone. So I'll go back to the first thing that I said. Harvest is the goal. Just look in your Bible. If you've still got Mark chapter 4 open. Here's a strange thing. Let, let me use, uh, Paolo, can I, do you mind if I just use your ministry as an example? You know, Paolo's our stewardship pastor. And Paolo kind of, you know, teaches and does fresh finances and does all this. And then she raises up someone to do that. As soon as she's good at, at fresh finances and then she raises somebody else up, you know what's going to happen? In the, look at in the parable, it says, as soon as the harvest is ripe, and we look back and we say, what a great job. God puts the sickle to it. He says, I want to use that. And we start all over again. And that is how God grows you. So who are you helping? Who are you investing in? Because harvest is the goal. As soon as the grain is ripe, God wants to get that truth into us so that we use it, so that we spend it and invest it. And then God uses it and you may have to start all over again because he wants to then use you with someone else and that's the blessing of it, helping you grow. Jesus actually said to you and to me, he would prune us to make us more fruitful. You see, we're not talking about accumulation here. We're talking about reproduction. We're not talking about addition. We want to talk about multiplication. We want to talk about the fact that that when you get to a stage, you can give away what you've got. So would you please stand with me? And I want to ask you an honest and serious set of questions. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And I want you just to spend a moment with yourself. Is it time for you to move on? Now, I don't mean from church. Is it time for you to move on a stage in your area of life stage one is it time for you to build a routine you're not in a good routine you, you're in now and, you, and then maybe you may not be here next week why don't you put down some roots and say this is my routine I'm going to be part of it and that's your decision today you're saying you know what I'm going to move on. I'm going to deepen my stage. Stage two. 
why don't you become dependable and carry some weight? Why don't you say to yourself, you know what? I am, I am in, but not only am I in, I'm going to discover some of the things that God's got for me. And that doesn't just apply for church. That applies in all areas. I just hear in my spirit that some people need to re-engage with their families and to carry some weight back there. And stage three, why don't you move on and invest in someone else? It may be that you've done it once and you've, that was you when you were young, but what about now? Why don't you invest in someone else again? Because harvest is the goal with all of us. Just close your eyes with me and just hold your hands out like a cup because if you invest in harvest, it's his goal. This is the words of Jesus. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying that in four months' time until harvest, I tell you, open your eyes. Look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. God has people all around you that he wants to use you to get blessed with. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and the harvest of a crop of eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I have sent you to reap for what you've not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor, says the Lord. God has a harvest for you that you haven't even worked for. He's already been investing in some people and you're going to get the blessing of them. Partner with God. It won't be all down to you. People have invested in you. Just raise your hand if you're thankful for somebody in the church who has helped you. Why don't you give God thanks for them right now? Hey, somebody's invested in you. Why don't you commit to invest in somebody else? And then when you've done that, God's going to give you somebody else. We're going to sing a song together and I'm going to come back and I'm going to ask for two responses. Let's worship the Lord together because harvest is His goal.